can do what it says I can do. And I can be who it says I can be. Today I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for this Mother's Day. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to just listen and feast at your table. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want to talk to you about landmarks and legacies today, landmarks and legacies. And in Jamaica, we have these um, botanical gardens, and they're called Heroes Park. And so in Heroes Park, there are all these stone monuments that are built to celebrate the heroes that have gone before in making Jamaican history great. People who were liberating Jamaica, people who were fighting for Jamaica. Maybe there were prime ministers who really had a big impact on the culture. Kind of like in Washington, D.C., you can go and see the Martin Luther King sculpture or you can go and see the Washington Memorial, different things like that. And we have these landmarks in Jamaica to symbolize and remind us of what has happened. Remind us what has gone on before. And so for generations to come, we are able to go back and tell those stories. One of the people in the botanical gardens is Nanny of the Maroons. Now, Nanny of the Maroons is very important to me because she, was the, she is the only female that is recognized in Heroes Park. Not only is she the only female, but the sculpture that they designed for her, the sculpture that they designed for her represents or echoes, makes a sound of the abeng. What is the abeng? The abeng is the horn that was used to symbol war, the horn that she was using to communicate. Now, Nanny is important because she was of the tribe, of the Ashanti tribe, of the Asante tribe, out of West Africa in Ghana. Well, my grandmother on my father's side is from Ghana. So you see, that West African history, because all Asantes are from the same tribe, so it goes to reason that Ray and I may be related, oh God help me. Or you know, we, are, we have these different things that are going on and we, the nations we are descended from. My family growing up told us everywhere that we came from. I know my great-great-grandfather. I know how they got to Jamaica. I know where they were originally born. I know the bloodline. I know the ethnicity that I'm made up of, every single part. I know the tribe, the Levitical tribe that I came from, from Israel. I know that far. But my children also know that. You can ask heaven what is her makeup and she will tell you. You can ask Landon what's his makeup and he can tell you. Because this is something that we go and we talk about over and over. And so this is very important because memorials are important. Landmarks are the signposts to mark significant moments in the legacies that we leave for our children. And God is a generational God. He's shown us that when he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says that uh, his love endures for a thousand generations. And in the book of Proverbs, then it says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. God is not just a one generation God. God is not just here for us and just us alone. No, he is a generational God. And so just turn to Joshua 4th, because that's kind of where we're going to park today. But I just want to say thanks to my mother-in-law, because when heaven was born, she gave me this journal. And I use this journal, and for the past 15 years, I have recorded heaven's life in this journal. 
I bought an identical journal for Landon when he was born. And I have started to record in his journal the story of his life based on what I was observing because she would not remember certain things. And so one of the things I, I remember seeing here is, hey there, Heaven Renee. I'm not sure if I told you about how you got your name. Your daddy named you. As you know, heaven is the place of our God's dwelling place. The amazing thing is that he not only lives in heaven, he lives in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We will teach you about that very soon. That was April 6, 2000. She was only one years old. What am I saying? You have to set up landmarks along the way. You know, I'm thankful also for Pastor, for my husband, because every morning, from as long as the children were going to school, he's been the morning person. He takes them to school. But what was so powerful was when he, before heaven went to school, we used to live in um, a house that was probably about 1,800 square feet or so, um, and it had a little loft on the top, just one room on the top. And every morning, Evan would go up and pray. And it was so much so that heaven would be 18, 19, 22 months, and she would go up and pray with him. And he would kneel down, and she would kneel down. He was creating a legacy. Well, he didn't just stop there at home. Once she started going to school, then on the way to school, all the difficult questions would get asked. Where does God live? How come I can't see him? If he lives in heaven, how can he be in my heart? Aren't you glad that there's somebody else that can answer that? Because I would not know how to answer it. I was like, thank God for the PM shift. <laughs> because I'm like, uh, uh, arama, uh, arama, uh. Go ask your daddy. <laughs> you know, and so... I have made it intentional to pass down traditions, to pass down memories, to pass down what we know. Because if you have not noticed, this generation is on the brink of godlessness. And it is up to us. We think somebody else is going to do it. We think it's the responsibility of the teachers at school to do it. We think it's the responsibility of the pastor to do it. We think it's the responsibility of our co-worker to do it or the aunts and the grandmothers to do it. But no, it's our responsibility to raise a godly nation. It is upon us. You know, you have, we have memorabilia all over our house, you know. And one of the things is, you know, this is heaven's dedication dress. And see, this stands to remind her, this is a memorial. It's not in stone. But this says, you were dedicated to the Lord. You have no option but to serve the Lord. You will serve the Lord. When she was a baby, and I do this with Landon now, and I put them to bed, and you know, I, I, I am just the one that would put them to bed to as long as I possibly humanly can. And I know in some people's eyes, you know, and they judge me and they say, oh, he's too big to do that, and she's too big to do that, wah, 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 whatever. Because for me, I'm whispering in their ear every night. When I put him to bed, I say, Landon, you are called of God. I said, you're a miracle, baby. You are a walking medical miracle. Do you know what that means? You have to serve God as a thank you to all of your life. And we have drilled and indoctrinated her that she was dedicated to the Lord. It is not optional for her to lend her life to the Lord. It is not uncommon or a surprise to me that as a teenager, she would want to serve the God. How be it different is still serving the Lord. But I'm not having to go backwards and try and figure this thing out. And so some of you may say, well, Pastor Sarah, my kids are growing and old. But you know what? You're still alive. That's 
you are still here. And you can still be an, a pattern and a, a, a legacy for them to see. So maybe the beginning wasn't so good, but the end can change. Amen? We still have an opportunity. Is it possible that many of us are pursuing money at the expense of preserving memories? Is it remotely possible that we have a hand in this generation going away from God? Is it possible that we are living our lives contra contrary to our confessed convictions? We say that we are born again. We say that we are believers. But yet when our children think of us, the first thing that comes to their mind is not necessarily a believing, walking, talking Christian. The first thing that may come into our mind is, oh, every Friday night she going clubbing. Yes, she'll be at church on Sunday, but she's going to be clubbing on Friday. Maybe the first thing that comes to the, the, your children's mind is not that my dad is a person that's leading me in prayer and leading the house in prayer. But no, you know what? He's cursing. He's so heavy-handed. He's so aggravating. Is this a legacy that we're leaving for our children? We say that we love God, but find it okay to let our children see us getting tipsy and doing everything else. But we want them to respect a God that we ourselves don't quite respect. And we want them to duplicate what we are not teaching. We want them to be obedient to the commands of, you better do right. You better, you know, God going to get you. Why don't you love God? Why don't you serve like so-and-so? Why don't you? But see, I always say this. You can't instill in your children what's not in you. And you can't beat out of them that's not resident in you. You can't terrorize it out of them because they have no pattern. They have to follow us. I remember one of my friends, you know, was disciplining her children in the bathroom one day. And, you know, I'm so nosy, so I had to follow. Because my children were really young. And she had like about 10 of them, it seems like. They just bam, 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 just kept coming. I just wouldn't stop. And I remember being in the, you know, in the restroom, like, and she was, you know, talking to the children. And she said, do you see me do that? then you don't do it. Do you see me behave like that? You don't do that. She says, I am your example. Do what I do. Say what I say. And I thought, oh, oh, I can't say that. Thank God mine is just like a couple months. I have a chance to fix this thing. And when heaven started growing up, I would say the same thing. Do what I do. Say what I say. What you see, I'm your standard. But boy, that's a tall standard. And then, you know, found out pastor's more holy than me. So I said, okay, follow him. <laughs> All right, before we go to Joshua, Deuteronomy 4 and 9 says, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But teach them to your sons and thy son's sons. We're always teaching, you know. I would say things like, that child, you see, Jesus of Nazareth. This is what I say at home. Look here in a picnic. This is when they, they start getting on my last nerves now. I go into a whole nother language. I said, look here in a picnic. <laughs> so when heaven locks her landing out of the restroom, which is common, when she goes in the night and she locks and she forgets that he has to get up in the middle of the night and use the restroom. And so one day he just came down and he said, Mom, that child you see. She just locks the door and, just, and forgets that I need to use it. And then heaven and her friend were bantering one day and, and, you know, they're talking to each other. And they said, who died and made you queen? And I came downstairs and I said, Landon, I need you to do so and so. And he said, who died and made you queen? 
I, I was like, I'm not sure who died, but I know who about to die. <laughs> you see, children, they're going to duplicate what you're doing, whether or not you're paying attention. Landmarks of God's, of God's goodness secure a legacy of godliness. What's God's take on this situation? How will our children remember God in our lives? Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit home at home. Walk on along the road when you lie down and when you get up. Okay, Joshua 4. I'm going to set this up for you and this is going to be quick. Joshua 2. Let's talk about Joshua 2. We're going to go back. This is called what they call in Bible school an exegetical message. It don't mean nothing. It just mean a, a whole of scriptures come together and we, bam, squish them together and bam, here's a message. Right? That's what it means. All right, so chapter 2. So in chapter 2... Um, Joshua sends out two spies to Jericho, and they meet Rahab. You remember Rahab, right? The famous hoedown, right? So they drop it like it's hot lady. So her, they go and they find Rahab. And Rahab says to them, hey, you know what? When we heard that your God delivered you from the Red Sea, every man here's heart melted. What was, so insig- what was so significant was about that was, see, the spies that would have gone in, Moses was already gone. That means over 40 years had passed. And other people were still hearing or had heard about the goodness and deliverance of God for Israel. A whole generation had already passed. So she says this. So then chapter 3 comes in. Chapter 3 comes in and God says to Joshua, Hey, you go and you're going to the promised land, but you got to cross the Jordan. Now remember, this is a whole generation that was not in the Red Sea. They only heard about the Lord, but they had never seen the Lord really do miraculous things in their life. So this was their big opportunity. This was their big opportunity. So it says, to him, it says here that in chapter 3 that the river, it was harvest time. And the river was overflowing. Why is this important? Because there's times that God has promises for you and your family. But it seems that the only thing between you and the promise is this overflowing plethora of problems. That is so much stuff. But instead of you focusing on the harvest, you focus on the overflowing of the river. And you're looking at the river and you're going, how am I supposed to surpass this? Do I take a boat? Do I take a plane? Do I take, you know, do I, you know, try and build a bridge? But God didn't tell them to try and side skip the Jordan. He said, no, get up in the middle of the Jordan and put your feet into it. And we want to avoid our problems, but we don't see that the promise is already sure. God has already guaranteed it. And you don't need to back up. You just need to stand still and see the salvation of God. Because God is setting up in our lives every single day memories that will become monuments in our lives and the lives of our children. He is setting up every day lessons that will become legacies. And we have to not back away from the tough stuff because we got to give God the opportunity to deliver us. Chapter 4, chapter 4, chapter 4. This is cool. What is God's command here? And what is God's concern? God's command here is that we should set up landmarks of his deliverance so our children remember him and their faith will be strengthened. Let me go to Joshua 4 here for you. Verse 3. And command you them saying... 
Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the place you live, where you shall lodge this night. Verse 7. Then you shall answer them. Here, verse 6. Verse 6. Now, let's, this is what happened. God told Joshua, when you go into the Jordan, I'm going to divide up the Jordan. I'm going to pile it up in a heap. Now, see, God is so incredible. Because when the Red Sea parted, it parted, it divided this way, right? Well, with the Jordan, he said, I'm not going to divide it. I'm going to just dry it up from the source and pile it up into a heap. And the Bible says that he, they did it so much that it was afar off, all the way to the land of Adam, that they saw it afar off. And the Bible says that he dried up the ground. So he didn't just move the water. He sucked the, the land dry so that nobody got muddy feet. Look how concerned God is about you. Verse 6. This is why. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, what do you mean by these stones? See, Joshua had instructed the priests and, um, and told 12 men, one from each tribe, get a stone and you're going to take these stones and carry them on your shoulder. See, you're going to carry a memorial on your shoulder. And then you're going to build. We are going to build this memorial with the 12 stones, one on top of the other, in a heap. To remind us that God made a heap out of the river. And when your children come, this is what it's saying, it will be a sign among you. And when they say to you, what are these stones? What do these memorials mean? What is this landmark? Why do you have that? Then you will answer them, verse 7, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the presence of the Lord or the Ark of the Covenant. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Verse 21. And when he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What mean these stones? You shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. See, you cannot forget what God has done before you. You cannot get... Here's the thing. If the opposite of faith is fear, then its enemy must be forgetfulness. When we forget, we falter in our faith because we don't remember what God did for us. We don't remember how strong he was for us. We don't remind our children so they can remind their children's children. You know, God, you know, you know, heaven can say, God healed my mom and my dad so they could have Landon. You know, God had gotten us to get this house that we live in because it was a miracle. And we're going to be able to say as a church, and God called us to build this church and plant ourselves and move no more. We are going to see the miraculous hand of God. And when when we plant our church, when we build our church, we do this for generations to come. So when our children come and say, what does this church mean? What does this building mean? We say, it's at this place I met God. It's at this place I learned faith. It's at this place I learned how to give. It's at this place that I was delivered. It's at this place my marriage was restored. It's at this place my mind came straight. You are who you are because of this place. 
You are who you are because of these memorials. And so I'm saying to you today that we cannot falter in our faith and allow our children to falter in our faith because we forget. Now, here's the thing. What is God's concern? What is God's concern? His concern is for the nations. His concern is for other people. And I put to us today, how are we providing our children with reminders of God's work? How are we fostering his faith in them? How, what are the reminders we've established to recall what God has done for us? How will we do this? See, you can go into your house and you have more wine bottles than you have scriptures on the wall. You have more vacation pictures than you have moments of testimony. You have all your degrees plucked up and framed up. But nothing that says the Lord lives here. How are we going to remind and keep it before our children that God is good? How are we going to do that? Today I'm challenging you. Get your stone. Plant you a stone. Make your memorial. Mine happens to be in a written word. Then we have different signs and different things at the, at the house. It may be a plaque. It may be, you know, a frame. It may be something. And then you have the word of your testimony and the blood of the lamb. But you cannot stop testifying because the Bible didn't just stop at our children. The Bible says that God's concerned, verse 24, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. So God was not just concerned for your children. See, God wants to say, and the Bible says in Isaiah that he wants to make you a praise in the earth. He wants to make you an obvious landmark. He wants to make you an obvious legacy so that the world can see. When you go on your job, are you totally different than when you're at church? Then you're not walking in your legacy. You know, you have to make a conscious decision to intentionally put it into the minds of yourself and others that God has been good. And you cannot forget because forgetfulness, when it's time for your faith to go on trial, if you forget the goodness of the Lord when you smote the bear and when you kill the lion, you will stand before that giant quivering because you chose to forget. Deuteronomy says, when I bless you, do not forget that it's me who caused you to prosper. He says again in Deuteronomy, when I take you to that promised land, make sure you do one thing for me. God has only asked us, to do one thing, do not forget me. When we forget, we cause our faith to fail and every wind that blows, we can become consumed with our situation and forget our Savior. We can just move into fear and forget that we have won before and God has delivered before and he'll continue to deliver again. So I challenge you, this Mother's Day, this celebration day, and from every day forward, make up in your mind, you are going to make up landmarks and memories for your children, for their children and their children's children. Amen. Just like you passed down jewelry. This was my mother's and this was my mother's mother's. What are we passing down? You do everything to preserve that gold, don't you? Everything to preserve that ring, that jewelry, that, 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 that Bible. This was my family Bible. But do we read it? Oh, this was my mother's. And, and I was thinking about that and I said to myself, how am I going to value this ring that's not going to go into grave with anybody, but I cannot value the legacy of God that is just eternal. So I challenge you today, this week, start 
making memories. Start making memorials. Because at the end of the day, when you keel over and go, <laughs> and you're buried in your one dress and your one suit, so we can run after all these clothes and all these shoes and stuff. At the end of the day, you get one. You're not going to pile up there with your 15-suit jacket, the purple, the green, the orange, your alligator boots all lined around you. and so, That is not how you're going to be buried. They can't fit all your stuff in there. They tell you get one outfit. The undertaker is going to put on one outfit on you. And when it's closed over, nobody's going to see it. So I'm saying to you, don't run after the material things. Run after the memories in God. Run after the memorials in God. And build a legacy. Amen? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the best legacy or memory you could leave for your children is a legacy of being a believer. And being a believer starts with believing. And so I want to invite you today if you have not made a conscious intentional decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life if you have not made a conscious